Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. There was a season in my life where I was like, I don't know, this prayer thing is something we're supposed to do. And my prayers were very lame. Like, I kind of prayed for the same thing over and over, and I really didn't know what to say, and I felt uncomfortable with it. Because in my mind, I know how to speak English, so therefore, I should be comfortable praying in English, was kind of my thought process. And I went through this process of actually learning about prayer, and learning how to pray, and learning to be comfortable praying. Um, But before I get into the actual message, I want to share a little bit about us. Uh, My husband, Ted, and I have been married for almost 14 years now. Yeah. We met... In youth group, where Pastor Chris and Heather were our leaders. Um, So we have known them for a very long time. (laughs) Um, But we met there. We just kind of grew up together. We've known each other for years. Uh, We started dating, got married, had kids, you know, um, how all that goes. We work together now supporting nonprofits. So it's been a huge pleasure for us to be here, um, really just working with the teams here and being able to support your pastors. We love Chris and Heather. They are some of our favorite people, and every time we get to talk with them or be with them or just have them around, we're just so happy. Um, And we're happy that we get to support this church because this church is phenomenal. I don't think you guys realize how special it is. We were having dinner with some other friends of ours um, who actually don't attend here, but they've heard about this church, and they're like, we don't know of another church who is so planted in their community We don't know of another church whose members engage in worship. We don't know of another church who acts like this church. There's something special that happens here. And I think sometimes, yeah, and you can feel it when you're here, but sometimes when you're here every single week, you forget because you get used to it. But what you have here is very special. So Ted and I have three kids. Um, Our oldest is 11, and he's running slides for me today. Um, And Joshua is eight, and our youngest, Naomi, is five. Um, When Micah was born, um, I kind of have a before being a mom time and after being a mom. And with one area in particular, before being a mom, when moms would have a little toddler run up to them, and the toddler would make all these noises, and the mom would be like, oh, he just wants a snack. I thought the mom was lying. Like, I was convinced that that toddler wasn't saying anything at all. Like, convinced. I was like, you're just trying to fake it till you make it, and you're just making it up didn't believe them. Or the kid would come up and say, blah, 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 blah. And the mom would be like, oh, he wants his teddy bear. Like, he didn't say teddy bear. He didn't say anything. There's no way that kid said what you said he said. You know? And then I had a kid. And I was like, oh, they weren't lying. (laughs) My kid would come up to me and babble, and before they'd even get the babbling out of their mouth, I'd already know what they were asking for. They come up and say one little word, and I know if they wanted their stuffed animal or their toy truck. They come up and babble something. I'd be like, oh, he wants a snack. And my friends would say, how do you even know what he said? And I said, well, it's because he's my kid. Like, he did ask for that. He did. And I went from completely not believing to 100,000% believing. And then with each kid, the babbling was different, but I always understood it because I was their mom. Well, it's interesting because as kids get older, it changes. It starts out with little nods and smiles, 
Eventually, they learn yes. They really learn no. They learn snack. And they learn bear. Or at least that was my kids. As they get older, they learn a few sentences. Help me. I can't reach. Gotta go potty. You know, like the little short phrases. As they get older, they start to actually string together sentences, but they get the grammar wrong. So it's like last week I went to the store yesterday. And as a parent, I'm like, that doesn't work. (laughs) But that's impressive that you're breaking the laws of time. Like, that's what I want to say. But, you know, as a loving parent, I'm like, okay, here's what you mean. We actually went to the store two days ago, and here's a sentence. You know, because I care enough to correct them. Oh, my gosh, I don't want them to be 21 saying that. (laughs) And then, finally, they get to a place where they are considered a native speaker. They're, They're fluent in the language. Kids, even when they're, like, five or six, and they're speaking English, they're not necessarily truly fluent yet. Eventually, you become fluent. Now, I'm going to show you something that's a little bit nerdy. I have a degree in anthropology. I don't get to to pull it out very often, so I need you to bear with me for like two minutes, okay? These are the five levels of language development, and you can see it in the example. It's going to pop up here on the screen. The first, perfect, is pre-production. This is the nod. The second is early production. This is short one- and two-word phrases. And then there's speech emergence. They actually start talking a little bit. And then you have intermediate fluency. They're speaking sentences, but they get some stuff wrong. And then you have advanced fluency. You can leave us up for a little bit longer, too. You have advanced fluency, and that's where they're a native-level speaker. Now, what's interesting about this is this is the process everyone has to go through. We recognize it in kids, right? But if me, as an adult, were to go learn a foreign language, I would be going through this exact same thing. And I would be stuck on smile and nod for a very long time. (laughs) It's just part of the process. But even in language, or even in English, if we try and change the way that we speak, we still have to go through this to a certain point. So a few years ago, I had a mentor who said to me, Lisa, I don't want to hear you use the word can't anymore. I had no idea how often I said the word can't. I would be speaking like normal and then have to stop myself and reframe my sentence and try and figure out how to say the sentence without the word can't. One time I had a scheduling conflict where someone else had booked a call with me and I was supposed to have a call with my mentor. So I had to text him and say, I have another phone call at this time. I am choosing to prioritize it over our phone call so I won't be on. That was not fun. I got a lot better at managing my schedule. (laughs) But having to learn a change in language bumps us back a little bit. And as adults, we don't like to feel like we don't know what's going on. Or is it just me? I don't like to feel silly. I don't like learning new games super often because I feel dumb and I'm trying to figure out and it's awkward and it's uncomfortable. And I have to tell you when it comes to prayer, I didn't forget what we were talking about, I have to tell you when it comes to prayer that it is choosing to learn the language of faith. And so we go through these same steps. And you know this. When someone prays, you don't have to say you smile and you nod. You agree, but you're not sure how to participate. When someone talks and prays, you might say yes, or amen, or that's good, but you're not quite sure how to participate. And then you actually say, you know what, I want to try and pray, 
And so I'm going to pray, God, help them. God, help me. God, do you hear me? God, I believe. God, I don't know where my money is. God, I'm scared. God, I'm confused. But it's these short phrases because we can only string together little sentences as we're learning the language of faith. And then we get a little bit into the intermediate fluency. And this is where I notice in myself that I tend to stop. This is my stopping point with prayer for many, many years because I was afraid of messing up. I would start to pray and then I'd forget, wait, was it Peter or Paul? Who in the Bible did that thing happen to? And I was afraid if I prayed with the wrong name, the prayer didn't count. And I don't think I'm the only one who does this. Or I'd remember, oh my gosh, there's that thing, the omni-word. Is it omnipresent? Omnipotent? Omniscient? There's a lot of omnis. Which one am I praying about and which one helps God help me right now? And so I would get caught up in trying to get the right prayer that I eventually just kind of got frozen and then I didn't pray as often. Now, I will tell you, the quickest way to get through all of this is a ton of practice and just doing a lot of it. That is the quickest way. In foreign language, the quickest way to learn a language is by going into full immersion. Going somewhere where you don't get to speak English. You better figure it out, or you're not going to know where to go. But when we talk about prayer, I want you to know that this process is completely normal. There is no human on earth who one day woke up and said, I'm going to pray, and then did it perfectly. Even Joshua in the Bible, when he was running out trying to defeat enemies, and he knew that the sun was going down, and if they got away before the sun went down, or after the sun went down, he was never going to find them. And he ran out into battle, and he said, God, Make the sun stand still over this valley. And God stopped the sun. What's interesting is Joshua prayed an incorrect prayer. He should have prayed, God, make the earth stop rotating. (laughs) But God understood his heart, and he still chose to engage and answer it. And so before we get any further into talking about prayer, I want you to see this one verse. Because if you completely ignore the rest of what I'm talking about, and you understand this, it will change the way that you pray, because you will realize that it really isn't about us. And here it is. It's Romans 8, 26 to 27. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. First of all, it's okay to recognize that you are weak in this area. Prayer is a muscle, and it's a practice. It's okay. For example... We don't know what God wants us to pray for. Ever feel like you don't know what God wants you to pray for? The Bible says it's normal. We're going to be okay. But the Holy Spirit prays for us. All right, think about this. When we don't know what to pray, Holy Spirit is looking on us going, Hey, Lisa, you might not know the words, but I got you. I'm praying for you right now in this moment. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. That means that when we decide as believers, God, the the Bible talks a lot about prayer. 
I'm going to do my best to engage in this practice. I'm going to do my best to engage in prayer. And we have those moments where we're not sure what to pray for, or we feel a little uncomfortable, or we stumble over our words, and we're not sure what to say. We can rest in the fact that the Holy Spirit is praying for us, and he is praying on our behalf. When we don't know God's perfect will in a situation, the Holy Spirit is taking our heart intentions in that moment and translating them to line up perfectly with the will of God. When I realized this about prayer, it completely changed the way that I prayed. Because suddenly I realized prayer was not about me being perfect. Prayer was about me choosing to engage in a relationship with God my Father. And once you get to that place, prayer becomes a lot more fun. (laughs) And a lot less stressful. And a lot less, I have to jump through the hoops and do all the right things. It just becomes something that we get to engage with. So for the rest of this little message, um, I'm going to give you three points and ideas about prayer. These are going to be pretty short, and then we're actually going to practice praying. I'm not going to force you to pray out loud in front of each other. Practice starts small. (laughs) And so I'm going to give you some practical handles so that this week you can begin to practice praying. All right? Sound good? Y'all with me? All right. Point number one, prayer is a posture. I've heard it said sometimes prayer is simply just talking to God, and that kind of is true. It's holding conversation with him. But there's a certain posture when we're choosing to pray and recognize, God, I'm coming to you, and you are all holy. Prayer is a posture. I love the Lord's Prayer. It starts with our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. There are some important parts right there. It recognizes God is our Father, which means as his daughter, I have a right to be there who is in heaven, I recognize that whatever I have going on that's bringing me into the throne room of God, God is elevated above it all. And then hallowed be your name. God, I recognize that I have a right to be here. I recognize that you're in charge. But let's be very clear, I also recognize that you're holy. We have been invited to be friends of God. But sometimes the way that we look at friendship is a pal that we treat as common. And that is not God. We have been invited to be friends of God, but think about this. We have been invited to be friends with the creator of the universe. We have been invited to be friends with the one who created the laws of nature, and we have been invited to be friends with the one who can break the laws of nature and who does break the laws of nature. We have been invited to be friends with a God who is all mercy, who is all grace, who is all powerful who has perfect judgment, who knows our hearts and understands our future and sees the big picture of all creation and cares about the smallest detail of our lives. That is not a common relationship. And so when we choose to enter prayer with God, it's important for us to remind ourselves, I am allowed to be here, because sometimes we come in groveling, right? God, I know I messed up this week, but I could really use a little bit of help, and I'm not quite sure what to pray for, and maybe I can be here. Like, we have a right to be in. When Jesus died on the cross, he ripped the curtain that separated the Holy Holy of Holies from all the people. And so Hebrews actually says, now we can come into the throne room of God with boldness. We have a right to enter God's presence because of the work that Jesus did. We have the right to call God Father because of the work that Jesus did. The Bible tells us that we have been brought in as heirs to the promise of Abraham because of the work that Jesus did. 
see. Oh, this is another one. I wrote this down because I thought it was great. Psalm 17, 8. This is um, David and Psalms talking to God. It says, keep me as the apple of your eye. David didn't just know that he was friends with God, but David looked at God and said, I am the apple of your eye. Keep me there, please. It's one thing for Ted to tell me that I'm the apple of his eye. It's another thing for me to tell Ted I'm the apple of your eye. You better keep me there. And yet David was so confident in his relationship with God that he actually writes in Psalms, keep me as the apple of your eye. I know my place. I know your heart is for me. I know you look at me and smile. Keep me in that place. I have this next verse on the slide. It's Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. In prayer, I often didn't know what to pray for. Because I was like, how do I know? Do I just pray for anything I want? I pray for anything and everything. Because why not? But this verse, I actually dug into it a little bit. And if you go back to the original Hebrew, the word delight there isn't happy delight. I actually started looking at this verse because of the word delight. I don't delight in a whole lot. Delight to me is such a foreign concept. My kids delight when they get new toys. I wouldn't consider myself uh, that kind of delight. Like that idea is just, I'm like, I don't, happy, screamy, excited. I don't, it's just foreign. So I looked it up, and the word delight there isn't like a big happy. I'm so happy in the Lord. The word delight there is soften. Soften yourself in the Lord. Like imagine one of your best friends who you go over to their house after a long week, and you sit on a couch, and you're kind of talking about life, but you're not really having to talk that much, and you feel your walls come down. You feel your heart softening because you know that you are in a safe place. You know that you can talk to them. You can say what you need to say. You know that it's good. You know they understand you. Soften yourself in the Lord. To soften yourself in the Lord takes building a relationship with God in which you feel like you don't have to approach with armor. You don't have to approach with your walls up, but you can just soften. Soften yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I love this because the word desires there is petitions. Um, And what I love about this whole idea in terms of posture is we have the posture of being kids. We have the posture of being heirs. We have the posture of being friends. And we have the posture of having permission to be soft and be vulnerable. And I know for a lot of people, the word vulnerable sucks. I mean, stinks. But it's an important thing to learn how to do with God our Father. So I kind of already touched on it. But it says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That word desires um, can either mean desires, go figure, or petitions. And so one thing that I like to remember is that prayer is also a petition. It's not just us generally praying, oh God, would you do this thing? Like we are stepping into the throne room, looking up at God and saying, God, I am requesting and asking that you intervene in the situation. It's like when someone comes to you and says, I signed a petition for this cause. They're not casually trying to get petition signed. They are trying to convince you that their petition is worth being heard. 
And what I like about this whole idea is that when I approach prayer as if prayer is also a petition, is that it becomes very clear which things I actually care about praying about. If I pray about something once, do I really? I might. I probably cared about it for a moment, but long term. But if I'm willing to petition the throne room of God, that's something different. I once petitioned God for five years for God to pay off our student loans. And by petition, I mean I prayed multiple times a day for five years for God to pay off our student loans. And finally, after five years, there was one summer where we paid off more in student loans in that one summer than we made in our annual salary. It was so amazing. I was like, it happened. It happened. And as much as I wanted to hold on to the fact that I firmly believed it was going to happen, every day was a God, help this to happen, make this happen, you can do this, please. Continuing and continuing, continuing. And some days the prayer were like that one guy in the, in the New Testament who's like, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I believe, but it's been three and a half years. Help me get through another day of believing. Even our faith doesn't have to be perfectly intact in order for our prayers to make a difference in heaven. Isn't that crazy? It says we have to have faith the size of a mustard seed. But we don't have to have faith the size of a watermelon or faith the size of a tree or faith the size of anything else. We just need a little bit of faith. And even when we come to God and say, God, I have faith that you can move, but help my faith because it's wavering. God cares enough about us to help us in that moment. So prayer is a petition. This next verse is in the Lord's Prayer also. It says, give us this day our daily bread. And what I love about this verse, I didn't realize this until just a couple months ago, but the verse doesn't say, give us this month our monthly salary or give us this year our annual wages. It says, give us this day our daily bread. And if you are going to pray for daily bread, that means that you need to pray daily, right? The petitions that we bring to God are things for that we should be choosing to pray for on a regular basis. And I'm not saying you should wake up in the morning and pray for 30 or 40 minutes. I'm just saying when they pop in your head, continue to pray. Set aside a little bit of time to pray. At first, you might be setting aside 30 seconds to just sit there and say, okay, God, I'm going to practice praying today. And that's great. It's great. A prayer for daily bread necessitates the need for daily prayer. That just made me laugh when I read it. So I remember praying, being like, all right, God, bless us with what we need for today and tomorrow and next week, and if you can make that thing come through for next month. And God was like, no. I said, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Trust me today. If I'm going to trust God today, I also need to trust him actively tomorrow and actively Tuesday and actively Wednesday And pretty soon, prayer becomes a petition for our daily needs and for God's long-term heart for our lives. And finally, prayer takes practice. When I first wanted to learn about praying, I was reading a book called Girls with Swords by Lisa Bevere. And it got me thinking about prayer as a weapon. Because the Bible says that prayer is a weapon, right? Right? But I knew I wasn't using my prayers as a weapon. 
I was using my prayers as filler so I could check something off my list. I'm just being honest. I don't know if people want this level of honesty, but that's what it was. And finally, I started to realize that if I was going to use prayer as a weapon, I had to learn how to use the weapon. And it kind of got me thinking about my kids. Sometimes, you know, you end up with like these bright pink yardsticks. And if you have kids, they've definitely taken it and pretended to fence with it. In our house, it's drumsticks. My kids get their drumsticks and they chase each other around. They sword fight. But then you watch a movie with someone who is truly a swords person. And they hold up the sword and they balance it on their finger. And they can tell everything they need to tell. They can tell if it's balanced. They can tell the weight. Given the size of it, they know how to use it best. They know if it's for... I don't even know. I I don't do swords. But they know... (laughs) If it's a sword that's meant for, like, big movements, they know if it's meant to be something that you fence with. They know what the sword is. They know how to utilize it. They know how it feels in their hand. And when they have a sword that is made for them, there is a comfort. They are active with it. They understand how to use it. They have practice to get to that point. And so a lot of times the people who are the best at pretty much any skill, often, not always, but often... They are the ones who use the skill in the most quiet way. We led um, a team of musicians for years at another church, and Ted and I got to the point where we could tell how good a musician was by how they answered when we asked how good they were. If we said, how good are you? Are you a good musician? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, I can play this and this and this and this and this. We'd be like, oh, man, they might not be able to play with us. They're probably not very good. But if we went to a musician, we said, we heard you're good. How good are you? Like, well, you know, I'm okay. Like those, we, we recognize that. Because they had a level of excellence and a level of skill that they knew exactly how much they didn't know. And I don't know if, if you've experienced that, but when I get started on something, I might be like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty good at this. And I get a little bit further in, and suddenly I realize how much information there is that I don't have. And so it's not a false humility. It's uh, I made step one, two, three, four, and suddenly I realized that it's not ten steps to become an expert, it's a thousand. And so then it's a, I'm pretty good. I'm willing to help out. And you can tell by the way someone carries themselves and by the way that they answer. And just like someone who's great with a sword had to learn how to use the weapon, As Christians, in order to use prayer as a powerful tool, we have to practice. I have to say, if you decide that you're going to start praying, it takes time. But it is one of the best investments of time you will ever use. It takes discomfort. It takes recognizing that we don't know all the words, that we don't fully know what to say. It takes recognizing that I think I know the Bible pretty well, but I don't fully know it all. If anyone ever tells you they fully understand this, they're wrong. Run away. (laughs) Growing in prayer and in your ability to pray takes being willing to practice and takes being willing to do it wrong sometimes. And for me, I don't particularly like doing stuff wrong. I like being perfect. And I like people knowing that I'm good at stuff. But it takes a level of humility to say, God, I recognize that in order for me to grow in this area of my relationship with you, 
it's going to take me fumbling just a little bit. And I so value this that I am willing to give it a try. So for the last little bit of service here, we are going to practice. I'm going to have you practice on your own. I'm going to give you a super easy framework, a very easy tool. You can exhale. It's going to be okay. There's one way that I learned to pray years ago that helped me out a lot, and it's a simple prayer where you actually use your hands. So I want everyone to put your hands in front of you with your palms down. Palms down first. Okay? I'm going to tell you what this is, then we're going to actually give you time to try it out. First, you pray with your palms down, and then you pray with your palms up. All right? So the first part of praying with your palms down is choosing to release. God, I choose to let go of my worries. And whatever your worries are, list them out. I choose to let go of my stress, of my judgments. I feel like this thing went poorly and it should have been handled better. God, I choose to release. I don't know, maybe you're holding on. You feel like someone should have treated you better and you're kind of holding a little bit of a grudge about it. Maybe you just have a really big project this week and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get through it, let alone with a good attitude. Choosing to release the stress and the worry and whatever it is. And it's not just releasing it from ourselves. It's releasing it into the hands of God. It's a choice to surrender. And then the second part of the prayer is you flip your hands over and you pray in the good. God, I receive your peace. I recognize that you're in control and that you want to bless me. And that's that part, okay? So what we're going to do for this first part, I'm going to walk you through this. I'm not trying to make anyone feel like you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) But we're going to start with our hands down. Ted's going to sing just a little bit of a song, and then he's going to play guitar for about a minute. And during that time, I just want you to very quietly, you can whisper, you can say it out loud, you can pray it in your head. But I want you to just pray the surrender. Let go of whatever it is that's been holding on to you. Jesus promises to carry our weights. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if you're feeling weight today, it's okay to release it. And then I'll come up and talk for just a brief moment before we turn our palms up, okay? So let's pray together. This is my surrender. This is my 
Jesus, we choose to surrender ourselves to you. We choose to surrender the parts of ourselves where we are carrying fear and stress and where we feel like we don't know the next steps. God, you promise that you are walking side by side with us. And so God, for any person right now who just doesn't know what the next steps are, I ask that you would help them to know that them setting down the worry does not mean the worry is forgotten. Setting down the stress does not mean the stress has been forgotten. Because God, as we choose to release what's on our hearts and on our minds to you, you carry them for us. Your perfect love carries them for us, God. We recognize that you have a plan and a purpose. All right, you can turn your hands over. Now we're going to take the next little bit. This is just to remind ourselves and to ask God for what we need in this moment. You are a God of restoration and of hope. So Jesus, as we as a church choose to engage in prayer, God, would you plant in us a desire to pray? Your word tells us that you are gathering and calling all people to yourself, and the calling doesn't stop once we become Christians. So God, as you call us into a deeper relationship with you, and as you call us into a place of communication and of trust, God, would you give us the courage to answer? Would you plant hope in the lives of those who feel like they've lost hope? Would you restore the relationships of the people who need restoration in their lives? We know that you are a God who sees all, And you are a God who cares. You promise your peace on your people. And so, God, we ask that we would feel your peace, that we would know your peace, that we would trust in your faithfulness, that you would help us to plant our feet firmly on you and boldly come into the throne room of God. 
that you would help us to remember that every time that we approach you, that we are not bothering someone who is busy, but we are walking into the presence of a Father who is thrilled to see us. And Jesus, thank you for everything that you've done in our lives. Amen. So, a little challenge for you this week would be at some point in the next week, take a couple minutes to pray and pray. It's a very simple framework. Um, and then there's one other one that I want to give you really quick. It's a super simple framework. You can do it wherever. You don't even have to physically move your hands, but just kind of gives you something to pray about so that you're not just stepping into the unknown. <laughs> the other one that I like is actually a verse is going to pop up. It says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ. I taught this verse to one of our kids who was having nightmares. And he would wake up and be like, Mom, I, I just don't know what to do. I can't fall back asleep. And so I taught him this very pared down. I said, thank God for what he's done. Tell him what you need. And I just got him to do that. Thank God. And tell him what you need. Thank God for what he's done. Sometimes what he's done is something that's happened today. Sometimes just thank you for creating the world. Thank God for what he has done. Tell him what you need. And I said, then the peace of God will guard your hearts and your mind. And so at night, one night, he apparently had nightmares. And he talked to me the next morning. He's like, Mom, I did it. I was like, yeah, how'd it go? He said, it was good. I just kept thanking God and telling him what I needed, and I fell back asleep, and I slept great. I said, but it's a promise. You tell God, or you thank God, and you tell God, then the peace of mind, or the peace of God will protect you. It will be a guard around you. So this week, I just want to encourage you, prayer, there's a learning curve, and it's not something that you can just fast forward through. But the beautiful thing about it is that through the process, God is walking with us, and he is so excited that we would choose to engage with him in relationship. So uh, there is a phone number that's going to pop up really quick. If you want to respond at all to today's message, um, you can text this number. If you want to connect with someone after church, um, you can also text that number. And if you have any questions, please come and talk to me. I love to talk with people. I love to pray with people, and I'll be available after service. So thank you so much for joining us. I hope you have a fantastic 4th of July weekend, and we will see you next weekend for church. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.